Chapter Nineteen of the Prairie by James Fenimore Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by William Peck. How if he will not stand? Shakespeare. The several movements related in the close of the preceding chapter had passed in so short a space of time that the old man, while he neglected not to note the smallest incident, had no opportunity of expressing his opinion concerning the stranger's motives. After the pawnee had disappeared, however, he shook his head and muttered, while he walked slowly to the angle of the thicket that the Indian had just quitted. "'There are both scents and sounds in the air, though my miserable senses are not good enough to hear the one or to catch the taint of the other.' "'There is nothing to be seen,' cried Middleton, who kept close at his side. "'My eyes and my ears are good, and yet I can assure you that I neither hear nor see anything.' "'Your eyes are good, and you are not deaf,' returned the other with a slight air of contempt. "'No, lad, no. They may be good to see across a church or to hear a town bell. But afore you had passed a year in these prairies, you would find yourself taking a turkey for a buffalo.' or conceding fifty times that the roar of a buffalo bull was the thunder of the Lord. There is a deception of nature in these naked plains in which the air throws up the images like water, and then it is hard to tell the prairies from a sea. But yonder is a sign that a hunter never fails to know. The trapper pointed to a flight of vultures that were sailing over the plain at no great distance, and apparently in the direction in which the Pawnee had riveted his eye. At first Middleton could not distinguish the small dark objects that were dotting the dusky clouds, but as they came swiftly onward, first their forms, and then their heavy waving wings, became distinctly visible. "'Listen,' said the trapper, when he had succeeded in making Middleton see the moving column of birds. "'Now you hear the buffaloes or bisons, as your knowing doctor sees fit to call them.' though buffaloes is their name among the hunters of these regions, and I conclude that a hunter is a better judge of a beast and of its name, he added, winking to the young soldier, than any man who has turned over the leaves of a book, instead of traveling over the face of the earth, in order to find out the nature of its inhabitants. Of their habits I will grant you, cried the naturalist, who rarely missed an opportunity to agitate any disputed point in his favorite studies. That is, provided always, deference is had to the proper use of definitions, and that they are contemplated with scientific eyes. Eyes of a mole! As if man's eyes were not as good for names as the eyes of any other creature. Who named the works of his hand? Can you tell me that, with your books and college wisdom? Was it not the first man in the garden? And is it not a plain consequence that his children inherit his gifts? That is certainly the mosaic account of the event said the doctor, though your reading is by far too literal. My reading? Nay, if you suppose that I have wasted my time in schools, you do such a wrong to my knowledge as one mortal should never lay to the door of another without sufficient reason. If I have ever craved the art of reading, it has been that I might better know the sayings of the book you name, for it is a book which speaks in every line according to human feelings, and therein according to reason." "'And do you then believe,' said the doctor, a little provoked by the dogmatism of his stubborn adversary, and perhaps secretly too confident in his own more liberal, though scarcely as profitable, attainments, "'do you then believe that all these beasts were literally collected in a garden, to be enrolled in the nomenclature of the first man?' 
Why not? Understand your meaning, for it is not needful to live in towns to hear all the devilish devices that the conceit a man can invent to upset his own happiness. What does it prove, except indeed it may be said to prove that the garden he made was not after the miserable fashions of our times, thereby directly giving the lie to what the world calls its civilizing? No, no, the garden of the Lord was the forest then, and is the forest now, where the fruits do grow, and the birds do sing, according to his own wise ordering. Now, lady, you may see the mystery of the vultures. There come the buffaloes themselves, and a noble herd it is. I warrant me that Pawnee has a troop of his people in some of the hollows nigh by, and as he has gone scampering after them, you are about to see glorious chase. It will serve to keep the squatter and his brood under cover, and for ourselves there is little reason to fear. A Pawnee is not apt to be a malicious savage. Every eye was now drawn to the striking spectacle that succeeded. Even the timid Inez hastened to the side of the Middleton to gaze at the sight, and Paul summoned Ellen from her culinary labors to become a witness of the lively scene. Throughout the whole of those moving events which it has been our duty to record, the prairies had lain in the majesty of perfect solitude. The heavens had been blackened with the passage of the migratory birds, it is true, but the dogs of the party and the ass of the doctor were the only quadrupeds that had enlivened the broad surface of the waste beneath. There was now a sudden exhibition of animal life, which changed the scene, as it were by magic, to the very opposite extreme. A few enormous bison bulls were first observed, scouring along the most distant roll of the prairie, and then succeeded long files of single beasts, which, in their turns, were followed by a dark mass of bodies, until the dun-colored herbage of the plain was entirely lost in the deeper hue of their shaggy coats. The herd, as the column spread and thickened, was like the endless flocks of the smaller birds, whose extended flanks beep, whose extended flanks are so often seen to heave up out of the abyss of the heavens until they appear as countless as the leaves in those forests over which they wing their endless flight. Clouds of dust shot up in little columns from the center of the mass as some animal, more furious than the rest, plowed the plain with his horns, and from time to time a deep hollow bellowing was borne along on the wind, as if a thousand throats vented their plaints in a discordant murmuring. A long, amusing silence reigned in the party, as they gazed on this spectacle of wild and peculiar grandeur. It was at length broken by the trapper, who, having been long accustomed to similar sights, felt less of its influence, or rather, felt it in a less thrilling and absorbing manner than those to whom the scene was more novel. There go ten thousand oxen in one drove, without keeper or master, except him who made them, and gave them these open plains for their pasture. Ay, it is here that man may see the proofs of his wantonness and folly. Can the proudest governor in all the states go into his fields, and slaughter a nobler bullock that is here offered to the meanest hand? And when he has gotten his sirloin or his steak, can he eat it with as good a relish as he who has sweetened his food with wholesome toil, and earned it according to the law of nature, by honestly mastering that which the Lord hath put before him? If the plary platter is smoking with a buffalo's hump, I answer, no! interrupted the luxurious bee-hunter. Aye, boy, you have tasted, and you feel the genuine reasoning of the thing. But the herd is heading a little this away, and it behooves us to make ready for their visit. 
If we hide ourselves altogether, the horned brutes will break through the place and trample us beneath their feet like so many creeping worms. So we will just put the weak ones apart and take post, as becomes men and hunters in the van. As there was but little time to make the necessary arrangements, the whole party set about them in good earnest. Inez and Owen were placed in the edge of the thicket on the side farthest from the approaching herd. Asenus was posted in the center, in consideration of his nerves, and then the old man, with his three male companions, divided themselves in such a manner as they thought would enable them to turn the head of the rushing column, should it chance to approach too nigh their position. By the vacillating movements of some fifty or a hundred bulls that led the advance, it remained questionable for many moments what course they intended to pursue. But a tremendous and painful roar, which came from behind the cloud of dust that rose in the center of the herd, and which was hardly answered by the screams of the carrion birds that were greedily sailing directly above the flying drove, appeared to give a new impulse to their flight, and at once to remove every symptom of indecision. As if glad to seek the smallest signs of the forest, the whole of the affrighted herd became steady in its direction, rushing in a straight line toward the little cover of bushes which has already been so often named. The appearance of danger was now, in reality, of a character to try the stoutest nerves. The flanks of the dark, moving mass were advanced in such manner as to make a concave line of the front, and every fierce eye that was glaring from the shaggy wilderness of hair in which the entire heads of the males were enveloped was riveted with mad anxiety on the thicket. It seemed as if each beast strove to outstrip his neighbor in gaining this desired cover and as thousands in the rear pressed blindly on those in front, there was the appearance of an imminent risk that the leaders of the herd would be precipitated on the concealed party, in which case the destruction of every one of them was certain. Each of our adventurers felt the danger of his situation in a manner peculiar to his individual character and circumstances. Middleton wavered. At times he felt inclined to rush through the bushes, and, seizing Inez, attempt to fly. Then, recollecting the impossibility of outstripping the furious speed of an alarmed bison, he felt for his arms, determined to make head against the countless drove. The faculties of Dr. Battius were quickly wrought up to be very summit of mental delusion. The dark forms of the herd lost their distinctness, and then the naturalist began to fancy he beheld a wild collection of all the creatures of the world, rushing upon him in a body, as if to revenge the various injuries which in the course of a life of indefatigable labor in behalf of the natural sciences he had inflicted on their several genera. The paralysis it occasioned in his system was like the effect of the incubus. Equally unable to fly or to advance, he stood riveted to the spot until the infatuation became so complete that the worthy naturalist was beginning, by a desperate effort of scientific resolution, even to class the different specimens. On the other hand, Paul shouted, and called on Ellen to come and assist him in shouting, but his voice was lost in the bellowings and trampling of the herd. Furious, and yet strangely excited by the obstinacy of the brutes and the wildness of the sight, and nearly maddened by sympathy and a species of unconscious apprehension, in which the claims of nature were singularly mingled with concern for his mistress, he nearly split his throat in exhorting his aged friend to interfere. "'Come forth, old trapper!' he shouted. "'With your prairie inventions, or we shall be all smothered under a mountain of buffalo humps!' The old man, who had stood all this while leaning on his rifle, and regarding the movements of the herd with a steady eye, now deemed it time to strike his blow. 
leveling his piece at the foremost bull, with an agility that would have done credit to his youth, he fired. The animal received the bullet on the matted hair between his horns, and fell to his knees. But shaking his head, he instantly arose, the very shock seeming to increase his exertions. There was now no longer time to hesitate. Throwing down his rifle, the trapper stretched forth his arms, and advanced from the cover with naked hands, directly towards the rushing column of the beast. The figure of a man, when sustained by the firmness and steadiness that intellect can only impart, rarely fails of commanding respect from all the inferior animals of the creation. The leading bulls recoiled, and for a single instant there was a sudden stop to their speed, a dense mass of bodies rolling up in front, until hundreds were seen floundering and tumbling on the plain. Then came another of those hollow bellowings from the rear, and set the herd again in motion. The head of the calm, however, divided. The immovable form of the trapper, cutting it, as it were, into two gliding streams of life. Middleton and Paul instantly profited by his example, and extended the feeble barrier by similar exhibition of their own persons. For a few moments the new impulse given to the animals in front served to protect the thicket, but, as the body of the herd pressed more and more upon the open line of its defenders, and the dust thickened, so as to obscure their persons, there was at each instant a renewed danger of the beast breaking through. It became necessary for the trapper and his companions to become still more and more alert, and they were gradually yielding before the headlong multitude when a furious bull darted by Middleton so near as to brush his person, and at the next instant swept through the thicket with the velocity of the wind. "'Close and die for the ground!' shouted the old man, "'or a thousand of the devils will be at his heels!' All their efforts would have proved fruitless, however, against the living torrent, had not Asinus, whose domains had been so rudely entered, lifted his voice in the midst of the uproar. The most sturdy and furious of the bulls trembled at the alarming and unknown cry, and then each individual brute was seen madly pressing from the very thicket, which, the moment before, he had endeavored to reach, with the eagerness with which the murderer seeks the sanctuary. As the stream divided, the place became clear the two dark calms moving obliquely from the copse to unite again at the distance of a mile on its opposite side. The instant the old man saw the sudden effect which the voice of Asinus had produced, he coolly commenced reloading his rifle, indulging at the same time in a heartfelt fit of his silent and peculiar merriment. There they go, like dogs, with so many half-filled shot pouches dangling at their tails, and no fear of their breaking their order for what the brutes in the rear didn't hear, with their own ears, though conceit they did. Besides, if they changed their minds, it may be no hard matter to get the jack to sing the rest of his tune. "'The ass has spoken, but Balaam is silent,' cried the bee-hunter, catching his breath after a repeated burst of noisy mirth, that might possibly have added to the panic of the buffaloes by its vociferation. "'The man is as completely dumbfounded as if a swarm of young bees had settled on the end of his tongue.' and he's not willing to speak for fear of their answer. "'How now, friend?' continued the trapper, addressing the still motionless and entranced naturalist. "'How now, friend? Are you who make your livelihood by booking the names and natures of the beasts of the fields and the fowls of the air, frightened at a herd of scampering buffaloes? Though perhaps you are ready to dispute my right to call them by a word that is in the mouth of every hunter and trader on the frontier?' The old man was, however, mistaken in supposing he could excite the benumbed faculties of the doctor by provoking a discussion. 
From that time henceforth he was never known, except on one occasion, to utter a word that indicated either the species or the genus of the animal. He obstinately refused the nutritious food of the whole ox family, and even to the present hour, now that he is established in all the scientific dignity and security of a savant in one of the maritime towns, he turns his back with a shudder on those delicious and unrivaled viands that are so often seen at the suppers of the craft, and which are unequalled by anything that is served under the same name at the boasted chop-houses of London or at the most renowned of the Parisian restaurants. In short, the distaste of the worthy naturalist for beef was not unlike that which the shepherd sometimes produces by first muzzling and fettering his delinquent dog, and then leaving him as a stepping-stone for the whole flock to use in its transit over a wall, or through the opening of a sheepfold, a process which is said to produce in the culprit a species of surfeit on the subject of mutton for ever after. By the time Paul and the trapper saw fit to terminate the fresh bursts of merriment, which the continued abstraction of their learned companion did not fail to excite, he commenced breathing again, as if the suspended action of his lungs had been renewed by the application of a pair of artificial bellows, and was heard to make use of the ever afterwards prescribed term on that solitary occasion to which we have just alluded. "'Boves Americani Haridi!' exclaimed the doctor, laying great stress on the latter word, after which he continued mute, like one who pondered on strange and unaccountable events. "'I horrid eyes enough, I will willingly allow,' returned the trapper, "'and altogether the creature has a frightful look to one unused to the sights and bustle of a natural life. But then the courage of the beast is in no way equal to its countenance. Lord, man, if you should ever once get fairly beset by a brood of grizzly bears, as happened to Hector and I at the great falls of the mist, Ah, here comes the tail of the herd, and yonder goes a pack of hungry wolves, ready to pick up the sick, or such as get a disjointed neck by a tumble. Ha! There are mounted men on their trail, or I am no sinner. Here, lad, you may see them here away, just where the dust is scattering afore the wind. They are hovering around a wounded buffalo, making an end of the surly devil with their arrows. Middleton and Paul soon caught a glimpse of the dark group that the quick eye of the old man had so readily detected. Some fifteen or twenty horsemen were, in truth, to be seen riding in quick circuits about a noble bull, which stood at bay, too grievously hurt to fly, and yet seeming to disdain to fall, notwithstanding his hard body had already been the target for a hundred arrows. A thrust from the lance of a powerful Indian, however, completed his conquest, and the brute gave up his obstinate hold of life with a roar that passed bellowing over the place where our adventures stood, and reaching the ears of the affrighted herd, added a new impulse to their flight. "'How well the Pawnee knew the philosophy of a buffalo hunt,' said the old man, after he had stood regarding the animated scene for a few moments, with evident satisfaction. "'You saw how he went off like the wind before the drove. It was in order that he might not taint the air, and that he might turn the flank and join. Ha! How is this? Yonder redskins are no Pawnees. The feathers in their heads are from the wings and tails of owls.' Ah, as I am but miserable, half-sighted trapper, it is a band of the accursed Sioux. To cover, lads, to cover. A single cast of an eye this away would strip us of every rag of clothes, as surely as the lightning scorches the bush, and it might be that our very lives would be far from safe. Middleton had already turned from the spectacle to seek that which pleased him better, the sight of his young and beautiful bride. 
Paul seized the doctor by the arm, and as the trapper followed with the smallest possible delay, the whole party was quickly collected within the cover of the thicket. After a few short explanations concerning the character of this new danger, the old man, on whom the whole duty of directing their movements was devolved, in deference to his great experience, continued his discourse as follows. This is a region, as you must all know, where a strong arm is far better than the right, and where the white law is as little known as needed. Therefore does everything now depend on judgment and power. If, he continued, laying his finger on his cheek, like one who considered deeply all sides of the embarrassing situation in which he found himself, if an invention could be framed which would set these Sioux and the brood of the squatter by the ears, then might we come in, like the buzzards after a fight atween the beast, and pick up the gleanings on the ground. There are Pawnees nigh us, too. It is a certain matter, for yonder lad is not so far from his village without an errand. Here are, therefore, four parties within the sound of a cannon, not one of whom can trust the other, all which makes movement a little difficult in a district where covers are far from plenty, but we are three well-armed, and I think I may see three stout-hearted men. Four, interrupted Paul. Anon, said the old man, looking up simply at his companion. Four, repeated the bee-hunter, pointing to the naturalist. Every army has its hangers-on and idlers, rejoined the blunt border man. Friend, it will be necessary to slaughter this ass. To slay Asinus? Such a deed would be an act of supererogatory cruelty. I know nothing of your words which hide their meaning and sound, but that is cruel which sacrifices a Christian to a brute. This is what I call the reason of mercy. It would be just as safe to blow a trumpet as to let the animal raise his voice again, inasmuch as it would prove a manifest challenge to the Sioux. I will answer for the discretion of Asinus, who seldom speaks without a reason. They say a man can be known by the company he keeps, retorted the old man. And why not a brute? I once made a force march, and went through a great deal of jeopardy with a companion who never opened his mouth but to sing, and trouble enough and great concern of mine did the fellow give me. It was in that very business with your grandfather, Captain. But then he had a human throat, and well did he know how to use it. On occasion, though, he didn't always stop to regard the time and seasons fit for such outcries. Ah's me, if I was now as I was then, it wouldn't be a band of thieving Sioux that should easily drive me from such a lodgment as this. But what signifies boasting when sight and strength are both failing? The warrior that the Delawares once saw fit to call after the hawk, for the goodness of his eyes, would now be better turned the mole. In my judgment, therefore, it will be well to slay the brute. There's argument and good logic in it, said Paul. Music is music, and it is always noisy, whether it comes from a fiddle or a jackass. Therefore I agree with the old man and say, kill the beast. Friends, said the naturalist, looking with a sorrowful eye from one to another of his bloodily disposed companions. Slay not his sinners. He is a specimen of his kind, of whom much good and little evil can be said. Hardy and docile for his genus, abstemious and patient, even for his humble species. We have journeyed much together, and his death would grieve me. How would it trouble thy spirit, venerable venerator, to separate in such an untimely manner from your faithful hound? The animal shall not die, said the old man, suddenly clearing his throat, in a manner that proved he felt the force of the appeal. But his voice must be smothered. Bind his jaws with the halter, and then I think we may trust the rest of Providence. 
With this double security for the discretion of Asinus, for Paul instantly bound the muzzle of the ass in the manner required, the trapper seemed content, after which he proceeded to the margin of the thicket to reconnoitre. The uproar which attended the passage of the herd was now gone, or rather it was heard rolling along the prairie at the distance of a mile. The clouds of dust were already blown away by the wind, and a clear range was left to the eye, in that place where ten minutes before there existed a scene of so much wildness and confusion. The Sioux had completed their conquests, and apparently satisfied with this addition to the numerous previous captures they had made, they now seemed content to let the remainder of the herd escape. A dozen remained around the carcass, over which a few buzzards were balancing themselves with steady wings and greedy eyes, while the rest were riding about in quest of such further booty as might come in their way on the trail of so vast a drove. The trapper measured the proportions and scanned the equipments of such individuals as drew nearer to the side of the thicket with careful eyes. At length he pointed out one among them to Middleton as Wooka. Now know we not only who they are, but their errand, the old man continued, deliberately shaking his head. They have lost the trail of the squatter and are on its hunt. These buffaloes have crossed their path, and in chasing the animals, bad luck has led them in open sight of the hill on which the brood of Ishmael have harbored. Do you see yon birds watching for the offals of the beast they have killed? Therein is a moral which teaches the manner of a prairie life. A band of Pawnees are outlying for these very Sioux, as you see the buzzards looking down for their food, and it behoves us, as Christian men who have so much at stake, to look down upon them both. Ha! What brings yonder two skirting reptiles to a stand? As you live, they have found the place where the miserable son of the squatter met his death. The old man was not mistaken. Wooka and a savage who accompanied him had reached that spot which has already been mentioned as furnishing the frightful evidences of violence and bloodshed. There they sat on their horses, examining the well-known signs with the intelligence that distinguishes the habits of the Indians. Their scrutiny was long and apparently not without distrust. At length they raised a cry that was scarcely less piteous and startling than that which the hounds had before made over the same fatal signs, and which did not fail to draw the whole band immediately around them, as the fell bark of the jackal is said to gather his comrades to the chase. End of chapter 19